No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that as God continues speaking to Job from out of the whirlwind, he points out the characteristics of the creatures he has made. It's an unexpected response to Job's questions. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 39 on Simply the Bible. Job had been finding fault with God. He thought God was too slow in judging the wicked. He didn't understand why God wouldn't show up in response to his request so that he could make a case for his innocence. Job thought he knew better how to run things than God. The argument between Job and his three friends had been about the righteousness of God, how God punishes evil and rewards good. But Job's case had been that he was blameless, and yet still he suffered, and that simply wasn't fair. So a storm was approaching, and little did anybody know that God was in the storm. Have you ever found that to be true, that God is in the storms of your life? Well, God did show up, and he spoke out of the whirlwind, questioning Job, no doubt to reveal to Job his ignorance of matters that were well beyond his pay grade. The Lord challenged Job with questions about creation, many of which are still a mystery to us today. Now God continues with more questions for Job regarding the creatures he has made, wild animals that prove there is an untamable aspect to nature. There are things beyond the scope of man's understanding and his control, and yet God remains sovereign and good. We continue in Job chapter 38, verse 39. Can you hunt the prey for the lion, or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lurk in the lairs to lie in wait? Who provides food for the raven when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? God positions himself here as the one who hunts prey for the lion. Behind this fierce creature who stalks the gazelle and pierces its flesh with its deadly teeth, God stands as the hunter who satisfies the appetites of lion cubs that are crouching in their dens, waiting for their mother to bring them home dinner. And after the lion is through taking its share of the kill, well, the ravens fly in to finish up the work of picking the carcass clean. We can even imagine the young ravens crying out to God to grant the lion success in her hunt. Could God be involved in such acts of violence as the predator hunting its prey and scavenger birds cleaning up what's left? Absolutely. Chapter 39. Do you know the time when the wild mountain goats bear young? Or can you mark when the deer gives birth? Can you number the months that they fulfill? Or do you know the time when they bear young? They bow down. They bring forth their young. They deliver their offspring. Their young ones are healthy. They grow strong with grain. They depart and do not return to them. 
Job had been finding fault with God in his timing of things. Have you ever done that? I know I have. Often I question how long God is taking to answer my prayers. Well, Job felt that way, and he didn't understand why God didn't come when he called. He didn't understand God's slowness to judge the wicked, to execute justice. He complained because God was so slow in ending his broken, tormented, miserable life. But God shows Job that he is the master over time. He knows the rhythms of the wild mountain goats and deer. He knows their gestation periods as their mothers endure physical changes and finally go into labor to deliver her young. And God knows how their young develop, growing strong on grain or the grass of the field. And when they finally leave their mother's protective care, God rules over all these times. And he is never late. Who set the wild donkey free? Who loosed the bonds of the onager? Whose home I have made the wilderness and the barren land his dwelling? He scorns the tumult of the city. He does not heed the shouts of the driver. The range of the mountains is his pasture, and he searches after every green thing. Now, the onager is a species of wild donkey. He makes his home in barren, uninhabited land, far from the sounds of the city or the shouts of an owner. Imagine a domesticated donkey carrying a rider, bearing the burden, and seeing the wild donkeys roaming freely on the mountains. He longs to join them cannot. God placed the wild donkeys on the mountain ranges and fit them to find the food in desert wilderness. Job had been like the beast of burden, longing for freedom from his chains of suffering. He looked at the wild ones, that is, those people who were free and unencumbered with such suffering as he bore. And not only did Job long to be like them, but he also found fault with their maker, who let them roam free while he bore the great burden of suffering. Will the wild ox be willing to serve you? Will he bed by your manger? Can you bind the wild ox in the furrow with ropes? Or will he plow the valleys behind you? Will you trust him because his strength is great? Or will you leave your labor to him? Will you trust him to bring home your grain and gather it to your threshing floor? Now, the wild ox was notorious for its fierceness. From shoulder to shoulder, it could be as broad as six feet. And between those shoulders was a massive head with two sword-like horns. No one could mess with the wild ox. No one would tame him. And it was ridiculous for anyone to think that he could harness that great strength to use to drag a plow or pull a cart full of grain. To attempt to do so would be nothing short of suicide. And who made this wild ox? Verse 13, the wings of the ostrich wave proudly. But are her wings and pinions like the kindly storks? For she leaves her eggs on the ground and warms them in the dust. She forgets that a foot may crush them or that a wild beast may break them. She treats her young harshly as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain, without concern, because God deprived her of wisdom and did not endow her with understanding. When she lifts herself on high, she scorns the horse and its rider. 
Now, the workings of God had made no sense to Job. Why would God punish him when he had been blameless and reward the wicked with long life and wealth and children by their side? Job was baffled over the ways of God. But the ostrich is proof that God makes things that are nonsensical to us. The ostrich has wings, but she cannot fly. They're pretty much worthless. She beats them and and as hard as she can, but all it does is make a little light breeze, not like the grand wings of the stork. She goes through the time and trouble to lay her eggs, but leaves them in the dust where they can be stepped on by some beast or stolen by some predator. While God has endowed many creatures with a strong mothering instinct, the ostrich is simply unconcerned for her young. Why? Because God has deprived her of wisdom. And yet the ostrich can outrun a horse and rider. How can that be? Evidently, some things just don't make sense. They are anomalies. They are on the fringe. Job had been wrestling with the things he could not understand, things that made no sense. He had been judging God according to his logic, but things weren't adding up. I remember early in our ministry when we had gone to start a church in San Francisco and it wasn't panning out, and I came back to my pastor and said, I don't understand. I was so sure that God wanted us to do this, and he just laughed at me, and he said, <laughs> there are so many things you're not going to understand in ministry, and I never forgot that lesson. In areas that we cannot understand, things that we cannot figure out, can we learn to be content to simply trust in God's sovereignty and wisdom and goodness? Verse 19, have you given the horse strength? Have you clothed his neck with thunder? Can you frighten him like a locust? His majestic snorting strikes terror. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He gallops into the clash of arms. He mocks at fear and is not frightened, nor does he turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the glittering spear and javelin. He devours the distance with fierceness and rage, nor does he come to a halt because the trumpet is sounded. At the blast of the trumpet, he says, Aha! He smells the battle from afar, the thunder of captains and shouting. So here's the horse, but not the kind which your grandchild would ride. This is a war horse. God gave him strength for battle. In those days, such a fearless beast was considered the ultimate weapon. God clothes his neck with a thunderous mane. He leaps over obstacles like a locust. His majestic snorting strikes terror in the enemy. He paws in the valley in anticipation of the battle and eagerly gallops into the clash of swords. Blood is shed. Fellow horses fall to the ground, but he laughs at fear. Neither will he turn back because God has made him for battle. Can God be such a man of war? Indeed, he's called that in Scripture. The battle belongs to the Lord. And Job had become utterly weak and helpless. But God is the one who gives strength to the weak. Does the hawk fly by your wisdom and spread its wings toward the south? Does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nest on high? On the rock it dwells and resides, on the crag of the rock and the stronghold. From there it spies out the prey, its eyes observe from afar its young ones suck up blood and where the slain are there it is so the hawk and the eagle birds of prey they mount up high in the sky god has given them amazing eyesight where they can spot a rodent 
from high above and then swoop down suddenly and scoop it up and bring it back up to its nest in the rocky crag where its young will suck up the blood. Now, can God sanction such violence, such killing of innocent rodents to feed the eaglets in the nest? Absolutely. And in all this, there are lessons for Job and for us that in God's creation, some creatures suffer so that others may live. Could it all be pointing to the one who suffered for us so that we could live? The Lord never took on the arguments of Job and his three friends directly. Instead, he showed that there were many things Job did not understand and could not figure out, but God is still sovereign. As we seek to understand the role of the coronavirus, as we seek to know why some people get this and some people don't, why some people are deathly ill and others don't even know they have it, we try to figure out who is to blame. Is it China, the president, the CDC? And we try to know how it spreads and what actions we can take to prevent it and to protect one another. But can we simply bow before the sovereignty of Almighty God and realize that we know so little? Can we humble ourselves before the all-knowing one and realize that there are just many things we don't know? Job had to come to this resignation of judgment and knowledge, and so must we. None of this means that God is not trustworthy. Indeed, he has always been and always will be faithful, but we are in no position to either understand nor judge God. We must simply believe. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow we'll see that when the Lord confronts Job for rebuking him, Job responds by saying that he has spoken before, but will speak no more. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible